At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, please open it to Psalms chapter 124. Psalms chapter 124. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with God's Word, it's near the center of your Bible, or it's really easy if you have a cell phone, pull it out and just type into a Bible Gateway app or one of your Bible apps, Psalm chapter 124. We use the English Standard Version here at Woodside, uh, so you can be following along with the same words. Uh, we're going to be diving into this text together, and we're going to really be exegeting this scripture and looking at what it has for us today. So we're going to just read that text, Psalm 124. It's a short text. It's only uh, eight verses. And so let's just go ahead and read. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then we would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us and then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. It's so incredible in these times to remember the word of the Lord. You know, uh, I think it's really important as we look at this text to see that what it's talking about is remembering the goodness and faithfulness of God, remembering the past in the hope of future, and remembering that we have been delivered. Um, and as we look at this text, uh, I just want to uh, be reminded that this text is about something that we have to talk about right now. This text is talking about battling fear. Fear. This is a word that we know well right now. Fear. This is something that is prevalent in our society today. As we look at the media, or, or, or as our, our own minds create for us the worst possible scenarios, or as we're, we're in the midst of this pandemic or political uncertainty, not knowing the future, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, not knowing if we have tomorrow, Uncertainty and fear could very easily rule the day and rule our lives, couldn't it? These are times that we, many of us have really never faced before. Now, I know many of you have gone through personal sufferings and tragedies and hardships, and you've had to trust in the Lord in those times. But we haven't experienced it on the scale that we currently are. These are very interesting times that we're living in. The way people continue to describe it is unprecedented times. Meaning that we in America have never really experienced these things before. But if we look back on the history of the church, if we look back even on the history of the nation of Israel, they faced far worse things than we face here today. If we look at Christians in other countries Many of them do not know if they will see tomorrow because they worship and praise Jesus with their lives. 
They do not know that as they go to worship with one another, if they're ever going to come home. They don't know that they're safe in their homes at nighttime. Yes, we look at history and we see that uncertainty and fear could have ruled all of these areas. Yet continually we see the people of God going back to something to battle against fear. Continually we see the people of God going back to the scriptures, to the word of God, to be reminded how we can live in a culture that could continually cause us to fear. We need the church. We need the word more than ever in these times. Gathering with one another is so vitally important as we've been looking at as we've uh, we've div, divin, as we've dove into the Psalms, as we've looked at this text, as we, as we have dove into the fact that assembly is vital and important and required, that we have to delight in the Word of God, to pursue the Word of God, that gathering together is so important because we need one another. Last week, we started a series called Built for More. The tagline of this series is Church Beyond the Weekend. I think that's a great tagline. Because if we think about that idea of church, for so many of us, church is a building. Church is a place where you come and you gather and you worship with one another and you sing and you hear a sermon and you have some fellowship and then you go home and then you do the rest of the week. But if we look at the New Testament, as we look at the scriptures, church is not that. Church is a people. Church is the people of God, those whom God has saved from the kingdom of darkness and transferred them into the kingdom of light. Church is all of those whom God has chosen from the beginning of time to be holy and blameless before him. Church, the, the Greek word actually is, means called out. Ones, meaning the church is those who are called out from the rest of the world. So this idea of being built for more church beyond the weekend is talking about how church is actually who we are. It's talking about how church is actually us doing life together, us being with one another. And the main area we are looking at as we continue to encourage each other is we're looking at life groups. We gather together in life groups here at Woodside. A life group is a group that meets throughout the week, normally on a weekly basis, where you spend time with one another, you fellowship with one another, you dive into the Word together, and you build your relationship with the Lord and with each other. And you do life with one another. And it's hopeful that these are not just Bible studies but they are family groups that you dive into the word together and you celebrate the greatest joys with one another and you're with each other in the greatest sorrows and you pray for each other in the greatest times of uncertainty. We need each other now more than ever. The church needs one another. And we looked how sweet it is when the church dwells together in unity last week. But as we look at Psalm 124, David actually does something very interesting with this psalm. You see, normally when we look at fears, we look back on the past and we see how God delivered us from a certain situation that had happened. I remember when God delivered me from when I didn't have a job. 
I remember when God delivered me from cancer. I remember when I had no, insert, uh, I had no certainty in my life and God delivered me from that mindset. And I am here today and I know that God will continue to be faithful. That's one of the ways we see in scripture of looking back on our past in order to encourage us to live for our future. But as we look at Psalm 124 today, uh, the, the author does something very different. He wants us to look at our past and imagine the things that could have happened if God was not on our side. To think about all of the things that could have occurred to us that did not and what, what's happening here is the nation of Israel is rehearsing the faithfulness of God in what they did not have to go through. Now, as we talked about last week, Psalm 124 is actually called a song of ascent. Ascent meaning to go up. And Psalm 120 through 134 were actually uh, the songs that were sung by uh, the nation of Israel as they went up to Jerusalem to worship and praise God during their main festivals throughout the year, normally three times a year. And so what they would do is they'd gather with one another and they'd sing these songs as they went up to Jerusalem. And they'd be reminded of who their God was. And what this song reminded the nation of Israel and reminds us today is that when God is on our side, we have nothing to fear. You have to hear that today. When God is on our side, we have nothing to fear. When we are his people, we have nothing to fear. As I've said time and time again, this does not mean that nothing fearful will ever come into our lives. This does not mean that nothing hard will never come into our lives. But with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. And one of the most important things of gathering together in life groups is that when we gather, we ponder together the favor of God. We, we think about what God has done in our lives. And we rehearse with one another how God has been faithful. And as we look at Psalm 124, uh, the writer is going to show us all of the things that God delivered the Israelites from that they did not have to experience. Let's look at the text together. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Psalm 124 looks back on these images that could have occurred to the nation of Israel, but they did not. Uh, this text starts with a conditional word. As you look at scripture and you see conditional words like the word if, it means that you can look forward and see that there's going to be something that fulfills that condition later. And in this text is if it had not been the Lord who is on our side. You see, I think sometimes when we think about the future or particularly when our culture thinks about the future, it's so consumed by fear because we imagine a future where there is no God. It's very easy to look at our future and not remember that God is going to be in the future. 
To remember that God is going to be with us until our end of time. And if you are of the people of God, you are going to be with God for all eternity. That is why you can say it is well with my soul. So it starts out by saying, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us. Now, the, uh, as they would sing these songs, they'd have a song leader. And, and right here, the song leader actually calls the people to sing back and repeat what he just said. It says, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. We see different images. And as we think about the past of the nation of Israel, there was plenty of people whose anger was kindled against them. If you just open up the words of Scripture, there was nation after nation after nation after nation who came after the nation of Israel. And God could have allowed them to be absolutely destroyed. But as we look back on the Old Testament, we see God continually rescuing his people. There was one occasion where Joshua was actually uh, fighting a battle and God made the sun stand still in the sky in order that they could win the victory. There's another occasion where the Israelites were going to go out and fight a battle and God caused hail to fall from the sky and killed the enemy. The Israelites didn't even have to fight. There was another occasion, Gideon, many of you may have heard of it before, where, uh, where Gideon, a man who was terrified, who was hiding in a wine press, was raised up to be the leader of the nation of Israel as a, a judge. And he gets his army together and God continues to dwindle this army down to 300 men who would go and face 150,000 others. If it had not been God who was on our side, there was no way they would have won that victory. If it had not been God who was on their side, the nation of Israel would be an obliterated people because they were much larger nations that continually came against them. You see, what's happening here is the people of God are reminding each other of the favor and faithfulness of God. And they're reminding each other by saying, do you, uh, do you know where we would be if God wasn't with us? Brothers and sisters, we have to remember that. We have to look back on our past and say, where would I be if God had not been on my side? Let's just do that for just a minute. Let's just take a few moments and, and just think. If God had not rescued you, where would you be? It's a powerful exercise to just stop and think back. If God had not rescued me, where would I be? You know, I got saved at 21 years old. And uh, when God saved me, I was pursuing money with everything I was. I wanted to be rich and wealthy and powerful. And I was on my way. I was doing well in sales. I was moving up the company. But... I think back and think if God was not on my side, then 
I may have gotten everything that I wanted and realized that it was still all empty. I think back and I think if God had not been on my side when my friends came and, and the things that I see many of my friends have gotten into, some are in jail and, and some are just wasting their lives away in alcohol addiction and drug addiction. If God had not been on my side, I could be them as well. If God had not been on my side, you remember the things that God has delivered you from. And you remember his faithfulness. That's a testimony. God delivered me. Now I know and proclaim that he can deliver you too. That's why gathering together is so vitally important to rehearse the favor of God and remembering our past is so important. If you think about the nation of Israel, they continually did things to help remember their past. They had festivals. They had feasts that they did. Even the Passover is remembering God's deliverance in their past. The Passover, what it, what it celebrates, for those of you who don't know, what it celebrates is when the, the nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt and, and there were 10 plagues that had been given. There were nine plagues that had previously been given and the, and the Pharaoh's heart was hardened about against freeing God's people and letting them go worship him. And the 10th plague, the angel of the Lord came and killed the firstborn son of all of the Egyptians. The Israelites were given a redemption that if they, they killed the lamb and they, and they put the blood on the doorpost, that the angel of the Lord would pass over them. And so those who did obey and those who followed the ways of God and what he instructed were saved that day. And then because of that, the nation of Israel was released from Egypt. It's remembering God's deliverance. You may know the Passover meal better today as communion. As we think about the true sacrifice, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for our sins. As we think about his body, which was broken for us. As we think about his blood that was spilled out for us. It's remembrance Jesus says, this do in remembrance of me. It's so easy to get caught up on the minutiae of today and focusing on just getting to tomorrow that we can forget about what God has done in our past. We have to remember who our God is. And we have to remember that God has delivered us from things we don't even know. And rehearse that favor with one another as we gather together. We have to put God at the center of our pasts and remember Him. To think that if things went well for you in the past, it wasn't because we're just that great, it's because God's favor was upon us. To think that if you were delivered from a situation that you never thought you could have delivered yourself from, that that wasn't you who did that. God delivered you from that. Remembering who our God is and his faithfulness. Also remembering that we serve a God who is faithful. 
So we ponder together the favor of God. The second thing that we do is we praise God for his protection. As we think about the things that he protected us from, it naturally then occurs to think through and go, wow, it's incredible. I know his faithfulness. I know I can trust him. But then also let me praise him as well. Look at 124, 6 through 7. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the followers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. This section of the psalm is meant to be sung as a thanksgiving and a praise to God. It's interesting. Thanksgiving is a practice that I know for me personally, I don't do enough. I think it's a practice that many of the people of God don't do enough. Because when we think of Thanksgiving, what's the first thing that comes to our mind? Turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, food, pumpkin pie. That's what we think of when we hear the word Thanksgiving. How many times do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Once a year. Well, good. I'll be able to thank again next year. I'm convicted. Like if we look at this scripture, covetousness, idolatry is one of the greatest sins that is in our culture and in our lives. Discontentment will destroy us. The way we battle discontentment is through thanksgiving. And this is what the people of Israel are doing. They're saying, okay, God protected us. And not just taking that for granted, saying, you didn't have to do that. When we come to a realization that the only thing that God owes us is his judgment, wrath, and punishment because of our sins, it sure gives us a lot to be grateful for, doesn't it? It's incredible to remember the blessing and favor of our God. The text says, blessed be the Lord. All praises be to the Lord. We might say, praise the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. You know, 1 Peter 5 talks about an enemy that we face. Says that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. The enemy that we face is Satan. And if it were not God who was on our side, we would be devoured by him. But then we also face the enemy of our flesh that James talks about. Our flesh that only wants to go after the things that give us pleasure. If it had not been God on our side, then we would continually waste our lives in pursuit of pleasure and realize at the end that we wasted our entire lives and our pursuits were empty. Solomon, the, the, great, the greatest mind that ever lived, described it as chasing after the wind. And when you think about that picture, it's really quite hilarious. Somebody just running and trying to catch the wind. It's not going to happen. And you look foolish doing it. Running after the pursuits of the world is like trying to run a marathon on a treadmill. Seriously, you are just going to end up tired, frustrated, and the same place that you were when you started. 
If you're someone here today who's just running after all the pursuits of the world, a a, a career that will satisfy you, a relationship that once you get it, it will satisfy you. If you could just get this, well, then you would be good. If I can be the CEO of my company, then I know I've made it. You will find that you will always end up empty. You will always end up restless. St. Augustine, a great thinker from a long time ago, he said that God has made us for himself and our hearts will remain restless until they find rest in him. And so may we realize and remember and thank our God for delivering us from the clutches of our culture and from the attacks of our enemy and from the pursuits of our flesh. Amen? Now, this is still a battle. We see that in Romans chapter 7, that we continually have to fight. We continually have to trust in him. But thanksgiving and praising God is something that causes joy to rule in our lives. You know, I, I, was, I got a chance to, to get away for a couple of hours and just ponder and think with the Lord and read scripture. It's like one of the first time I've, I've been able to do that since I've had kids. And I was able to go out to a farm and I was able to sit and just read the scriptures. And one of the things that God brought to my mind is that anger and covetousness and idolatry, those things are things that are going to try and run our lives and going to try to consume our lives. And one way to battle those is to think, okay, I got to stop doing these things. That's one way, right? I just, you need to stop. And they get really mad at ourselves when we get angry. Or another way is to let joy rule. To let joy rule. To let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Instead of not trying to do something, we go and do something else. Instead of thinking about all the stuff we don't have, we thank God for the stuff that we do have. Instead of allowing your anger to rule our lives, we remember that we serve a God who gives us a spirit who can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's a different way to fight. It's a different way to battle against the things in our lives. Instead of allowing fear to rule us, we realize we serve a God who is sovereign and in control of all things and all things, yes, all things work out according to the counsel of his will. And we can know that if God is on our side, we have nothing to fear. Well, what does it mean that God is on our side? Well, if we are of the people of God, we know that if God is on our side, we have nothing to fear because if you're of the people of God and you've surrendered your life to God, God will change your mind. He will change your heart to pursue the things that he desires. He will change your mind. He will change your heart to go after the things that he wants. And we know, Romans chapter 8 tells us, we read it, that all things work together for good. That again, all things Work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He's going to work out his purpose to be praised and worshipped and glorified. God's going to do it. That's what God is about, is being worshipped, praised, and glorified. If we are his people, then he's going to do the things in our life, no matter what it is, that are going to bring us the most good and him the most glory. That's why it is well with my soul is not a situation, it's a mindset. That's why not fearing the future 
is to not say that there aren't things that could we could be scared of. It's keeping our eyes on Christ. The image that comes to my mind is Peter. When we think about Peter and, and, and the disciples, they're, they're out on the water, which the Israelites greatly feared and were terrified of the water. If you see in this text, they talk about how if God hadn't been on their side, they could have been wiped away by the floods. The Israelites thought that, that the waters were, uh, were controlled by these gods who would devour them. This was the whole idea. Chaos and the, and the water was seen as simultaneous. And what happens is, is that Peter and the disciples are in a boat and Jesus is not with them. Jesus is up on a hill praying by himself with the Lord. And while they're out there, it starts to get dark. And Jesus, after he's done praying with the Lord, decides he's going to go catch up with the disciples. And he does this by walking on the water out to them. Jesus walks on top of the thing that they feared the most. Come on. Jesus walked on top of the thing that they feared the most. Jesus was over it. Jesus controlled it. He was powerful over it. He walks on top of the water, and and they think he's a ghost. And Peter says to him, Lord, if it's you, just call me out. I'll walk on the water. Jesus says to me, come on, Peter. Peter steps out of the boat, starts to walk on the water, and and he keeps his eyes on Christ. And as long as he kept walking on the water, looking at Jesus Christ, he could do the things that no human being could possibly do without the power of God. Peter was walking on top of the water. But do you remember the story? Do you remember what happened? Peter took his focus off of Christ. And as he looked around at the storms that were around him, he started to sink. Because he took his eyes off Christ. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but you can try this later today. If you look into somebody's eyes and you really look at their eyes, the only thing you look at is the pupil of their eyes and and you, you see what is in their eye. You'll start to see a reflection of what is behind you. And if you continue to look in their eyes, and you never took your focus ever off of that person's eyes, the only world you would ever see is the world through that person's eyes. Think about that image for just a minute. If you focus on Christ, if you focus on his word, if you know the truths of scripture, If you ponder together with his people, if you keep your focus on Jesus, the only world you will ever see is the world through Jesus' eyes. That's powerful. Because he is true and he is faithful and he is never changing and he will always be with us so we praise him for his protection and for his deliverance and we can put our trust in God look at how the text closes out our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth look at it's communal it says our help and we and us this is the people of God together which we must have one another in this time Our help is in the Lord. 
we have to remember that we cannot let fear rule our lives. We cannot allow the media and the culture to tell us what to think. If we spend 10 hours a day watching the news media, we're going to start to think the way the news media tells us to think. Fear will rule. We have to go to the scriptures. We have to go to the truths of the word of God. Knowing that what we're facing is not easy. It's hard. And there's reasons why people are fearful. But the reality is we can't let it rule us. Because we know God is on our side. Well, you may ask, how do I know God is on my side? How do I know that nothing can defeat me? Well, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul talks about this. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. Well, as the team comes forward, I, I want to have you just ask this question. How do, I, how do I know if God is for me? Do I know that God is for me if everything in my life is great? Is that when I know that God is for me? Do I know that God is for me when I get everything that I want and everything that I ask for? Is that, is that when I know that God is for me? What about the times when I don't? How do I know that God is for me then? Some of you today may say, yeah, well, you're talking about the things that, that people could have been delivered from. Well, I went through a lot of stuff in my past. I went through a lot of hardships. I regret a lot of things. That stuff did happen. That stuff was not something that God delivered me from, and I face it every single day. Your answer, my friend, is our help is in the name of the Lord. Some of you can testify to that. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And God is on your side. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is on your side. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the scripture says you're an enemy of God and God is not on your side. But if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ today, God is on your side. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer to how do we know that is found in the next verse. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things here's a question is there any greater way to show that you love somebody than sacrificing for them Christ sacrificed to the very point of death and the logic of the text is, is if he would give up his one and only son whom he deeply loves, would he not give us anything else? We know that God is for us. Now this does not mean that life's gonna be exactly how we want, but it means that we know that God is for us. It means that we know that all things are going to work out according to the counsel of his will. It means that we know that good will come to us. It means that we know that this life is not all there is. It means that we can fear not. It means that we can go forward knowing 
that, that, that the culture doesn't determine our future and situations don't determine our future. God determines our future and we have an eternity that is to come that is greater than anything we can ever experience in this world and realize that we serve a God who is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper and he is the light in our darkness. So let's stand together today and praise that God and worship him with one another. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.